and start. All right, so here's what we want to talk about just basically to get you guys started this week for homework. And it isn't a lot. And for most of you, you already know all this stuff, so it's just review. But it's great to be reminded of the processes that we're, where we're heading in the processes of doing this inductive Bible study. To be reminded of some of the basic points of what you're doing. Um, I want to uh, read to you a little exhortation that Kay has. It's on page one of your lesson one of your homework. But she says, our prayer is this. This is what she, her heart is for you in doing this study of Hebrews. She says, our prayer is that God will use this study to bring you through the torn veil of Christ's flesh into the holy of holies, where in confidence you might draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. That's out of Hebrews 10, 19 to 23. There Jesus waits, who has taken his seat at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. We are going to see, and I'm not going to be really spilling any big beans on this, but that Jesus is going to be a primary focus in this book. Always, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are considered key words when you mark your, your homework uh, sheets. But in this particular book, Jesus is the primary subject as well. So... Um, for that reason, Kay is saying it's through that knowledge of Jesus that you are going to gain this full assurance of your faith. And this is something that if, if we kind of lay this back against where we came from, having done the book of Acts in that birthing of the church, we saw a timeline of events that occurred where the Jesus came. He was the fulfillment of what had been promised. We, we got to timeline and see where certain things happened first with Peter and then with Paul in the uh, progressive, you know, evangelism of the, the new faith in, in Christ Jesus. Um, in, there, in, in this book, we can now then consider what we learned in Acts and lay Hebrews into it and say, okay, this is a new thing. These believers are coming out of Judaism and or no faith at all. They're coming into this thing which is newly created. It's not like us in this generation where there's been thousands of years of experience of, of this kind of church and worship system, right? It was all brand new for them. So just keeping that in mind now, um, it kind of helps you to better understand why Kay's exhortation here is that, that she wants not only us to, but they also, they were gaining an assurance of their faith through the knowledge of these things which this author wrote about who Jesus was. So as you and I draw into this book, and if we keep our focus upon that which um, is most central, which is Christ himself, we are going to be drawn deeply into a, a, a deeper knowledge of who Christ is, both, both who he is literally as God, as Savior, but also what he's done for us. And in that, then there's this assurance of your salvation, assurance of your faith, a confidence that what God said he did, he has done and he will do. So I'm excited about that. That's her exhortation to us. Um, so you're going to develop a deeper knowledge of Jesus. You're also going to be challenged also to evaluate where you are in your faith walk, I think. At least that seems to be my impression so far. Um, there's a place in the book of Hebrews we're going to come to in time where you're going to see that they're being challenged 
to press into a maturity of their faith. Now, their circumstance is a little different than ours. We're not coming, in, as these Hebrew believers were, out of something and into something new. We are, but what we can do is still take the principles of what's being taught to them and apply it to us. And that is, where are you at this point in your walk? When you came into your faith, have you grown? Have you seen growth? Have you seen uh, uh, fruit bearing in your life? Have you seen um, old things pass away in your life and this newness in, of, your, of your faith walk in Christ Jesus to really blossom in you? And if not, why not? So it's going to be, a, I think, a really good time of evaluating where are you in this journey. And we, never, we are never too young or too old to really press into a deeper maturity of faith, right? Um, I, I don't remember who I was talking with this Sunday, but, but we were talking about, you know, you just, you never stop learning. No matter how often you go back into the Word of God, there's still deeper truths, there's more things to learn, and the circumstances even in your own personal life change so that your needs for certain kinds of knowledge about Christ and about what, what he has done and what he has promised to do, how those things actually apply in your life, it, it becomes more real to you when you have a life experience that applies it, right? So we are going to look to challenge ourselves, hopefully, this, uh, during this journey into Hebrews. Um, my, prayer, my prayer then for you is that this study will be a big part of the growth that God desires for you for this year. So this is going to be like our New Year's resolution. We're going to, we're going to press into knowing him much better and uh, knowing what it is that he wants us to do with the information he's going to give us as we study this uh, book. Now, here's our study structure. Let me go into just a little bit about what the, what the structure of the class is like. Okay, for the first two weeks, we're going to be doing overview. We all, uh, I don't know that the part, when this curriculum was, uh, previously uh, printed if there were two weeks of overview or not but they have two weeks of overview with the, this reprint they've, they've just reprinted Hebrews as a matter of, uh, for those of you who didn't know that we had Hebrews on our agenda to do last year we had to postpone because they were in the middle of uh, reprinting and, and revamping this program so now they've gone from it being Hebrews part 1 and 2 to Hebrews part 1, 2 and 3 and um, in doing that, I don't know if they changed the the first part as far as doing an overview or not, but I am really happy to see we have two weeks because it's 13 chapters. 13 chapters, if you're trying to kind of get your bearings sort of, it takes more than one week. So two weeks is really good. I'm very happy to see that. Um, I would uh, encourage you to not slight on your overview time. Just because the homework assignments are going to seem real light, and for those of us who have been doing this a while, it's going to feel like it's pretty light. Uh, it's going to be, we'll read this, and you're going to go, okay. Either you're going to go, yeah, I've read it. I can hear it in your minds right now. I can hear it. Or, or you're going to just zip through it really quickly. But what I would really challenge you to do is really um, – ponder and meditate on things as you're going through this and really kind of do get your boundaries down because Hebrews is it has got more than one difficult passage in it for interpretation so there's a couple of places in Hebrews um, Diane you are the one that has said over and over Hebrews has been a challenge to you 
And she has been begging for us to teach Hebrews for several years now, actually. So we are finally giving you your wish. You're quite welcome, Diane. <laughs> well, she's, well, she has, well, I meant that in a very complimentary way, you know. Um, but it, it, it does have some difficult things in it. And uh, Kay will say this to you when you read her introduction, her introduction part on lesson one. She's going to tell you that part of the problem for a lot of people in coming to good interpretation on this book is because they don't take the proper steps to set the, the boundaries of those plumb lines that help us stay in, in tune. Who is the author? Who is the recipient? What is the, con the context as far as historically? Where, where are we in the journey of things so that you can see it on a timeline? Um, what is the author's purpose for writing this book? You know, so that when you jump into a, a particular passage, you're not, you're not just pulling it out and saying, it sounds like it means this, and so that's what it means. But rather, instead, you're saying, but what is the author's purpose? Another thing that this book will do, I, I know at least in one place, if I remember right, is it, there's, a, there's a literary style change. He goes from it being a, a letter of instruction where it's factual and literal, and he makes a switch in the middle, and he uses an, an imagery uh, statement and when people don't take that and make that switch that literary switch in their brains and then they they keep trying to make application of real literal uh, application there is a literal application once you understand it has imagery in it right you take the imagery and get the correct assessment of what he's trying to teach and then lay that against what is the author's purpose for writing and then you will will pr probably come up with a much better interpretation of whatever it is that you're looking at. And I think a lot of people have not done that. But the bigger issue for us this week and next week is to understand that if you don't get a pretty good uh, view of the whole book on, on the whole as to what is this author really trying to convey, what is his major emphasis here, so that when you drop into that one point, you go, what has that got to do with what he was trying to convey on the whole? And then when you go in and you look at that one verse, it has to, it has to make sense in your bigger theme. If your major theme and your interpretation of this one passage absolutely seem to be on different planets, then you know you've come to a wrong interpretation, right? So that's an important thing to, to keep in mind. So we're going to be having two weeks to do our overview. That's really important. Do not skimp on it. Do take the time to really read and reread and do exactly what she says. I would encourage you to even go one step further. Um, I am very big on this how-to study book. I use it. It is such an, a valuable tool. If anyone does not have one, please uh, see uh, Carol or Lois or someone over there at the table and and purchase one. If you can't afford one, I will buy it for you. I mean, I really, that's how important this book is. You only need one, and you use it every time you do a study. It's, it, it, this is a resource that doesn't change, okay? So you'll use this forever and ever. Um, in here, I want you to, to uh, go through chapters one and two. It'll tell you what an overview is, and it'll tell you how to do an overview. Okay, in those first two chapters, they're really short, big write, big letters in here. It's not that much uh, as far as reading is concerned, but it is super important because it t tells you how to get that big picture, which is your context. Why is context important? Does anybody know what context is? Co context what? 
it rules for your interpretation. So if, since context is king and it rules for your interpretation, if you don't get your context down really well, as, as carefully as you can, then when it comes to com coming to those difficult passages, which we are going to hit, then you're not going to be able to come to a good interpretation. So you have to have good context. So week one, week two is context setting. Big picture, not details. When you go to do your homework, don't get lost in all the details of each chapter. Do not, do not, do not. Or you will, you will spin yourself up. And when we get back to class and start discussing things, you'll be going, well, why aren't we talking about this? Well, because we're not in chapter discussion yet. We're in overview discussion. We're looking at the big picture. Okay, so we want to see why is this author writing this book to us? What is his purpose? Okay, uh, the homework is broken down five days, about an hour per day. Nobody laughs, right? <laughs> if you get it done in an hour a day, you're doing really good. <laughs> but it is designed for approximately one hour per day. Okay, so for most of us, we tend to spend a little bit more than that. <laughs> uh, no commentaries until you are told to do so. Do not go online and research your book. Do not open up a commentary. Start reading about what the author says about anything until you're told to do so. That spoils the work process for you. It also pollutes your, your pool of information. What happens is is if you start reading what other people read. Remember, commentaries are written just by people, right? I could write a commentary and have it published and put it on the market. And then you'd have to believe everything I said because I published it, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. My big cheer section over there. Exactly. So same thing is true with all these other commentaries. One of the, one of the goals in doing inductive Bible study is to get to a place where you really rely less and less on commentaries. Commentaries are the last thing you go to afterwards. And I'm not saying commentaries are bad. Commentaries can be really good after you've done all your work to go and, and see what they thought of that you didn't think of. And to see maybe another facet of that point. You know, maybe they thought of a different event, or maybe they thought of a different historical record, or maybe they thought of a, a different kind of application, and they're going to pull that in, and they're going to give that to you in their commentary on that passage. But I can tell you, for, for everybody, including myself, generally, what, what is your um, biblical view is what's going to filter into your commentary writing. In other words, what is your denominational background? What is your teaching background. All those things are going to have an effect on what you end up concluding generally. So if your background is, is missions, it's going to be all missions emphasis. If your background is, is evangelism or, or, or mercy or helps or whatever your, your area is of spiritual gifting in particular, also that can affect it. So just keep that in mind. Your commentaries are there afterwards. So for these first few weeks, do not open a commentary. Try to discipline yourself not to do that. Okay. Um, I recommend you put your, your uh, folder that you've purchased your homework into a three-ring binder. Uh, I think it's helpful because then your your lessons can come out of your book, and you can lay that sheet just even on your table out before you as you're doing your work. Um, 
You can also add into then your folder as you go along extra sheets of things that we might hand out or things that you yourself go online in your research and print and you can add them into your folder. It just makes it nice. The other thing I like to do is I like to add these uh, index dividers. So you guys are all familiar with those, but they really do help a lot. I I think because you can flip very quickly to which chapter we're in just because of your dividers having been put in there. It's just common sense kind of stuff, but it's stuff that I, I like to tell people. It's what I do. So, all right. Um, let's see. Also, <laughs> just in case you're as crazy as I am, it wouldn't hurt if you make a, a photocopy of your observation worksheet. Does everybody in here know what an observation worksheet is? Sarah, are you familiar with an observation worksheet? Okay, because I just want to be sure you know. I, do, I don't want to just talk, you know, without explaining. Okay, let me, let me show you so you know. You're going to see in the back of your, your index of your book the scriptures of Hebrews typed out in double space. It's going to say, yes, yeah, on page 89. Very good. Okay, do you see it? It says at the top, even right underneath where it says Hebrews 1, it says observation worksheet. It is, in fact, exactly what it says. It's a worksheet. It's what you're going to work on when you are doing your homework in the book of Hebrews for this whole course of study. So on this sheet, you're going to mark, you're going to do your keyword markings, you're going to do... Um, uh, word studies and write your information on your worksheet. You're going to, um, maybe if there's cross-references that we come up with that fit with what we're looking at, you're going to write those in. So you can write on each side of your observation worksheet next to whatever passage you're working on at the moment, your information, your new insights, the things that you glean. So that's why they call it a worksheet. Now, I like to photocopy my chapters ahead of time. So I have a one that I keep clean in my book all the time and one that I'm working on. That way, if I ever make a really big mistake, <laughs> I've got, I can throw away the one that I messed up so badly that I can't even see on it anymore and, or that I just messed it up so bad it's going to be confusing for me. So I can throw it away and start over and make a fresh one on that particular chapter if I want to. If I've made a copy, I can do that. If I didn't, I'm out of luck. Sure you can. Copy it, paste it onto a Word document, make your own observation worksheet. You can absolutely do that. And I do that all the time. And in the olden days, before we had all these extra helps that we've got right now, I used to do all my own observation worksheets. When I lived overseas in Turkey, sometimes my books wouldn't even arrive on time, so I would make all my own observation worksheets. So you can do that too, but it's a whole lot easier if you just make a photocopy beforehand if you're interested. Now, you don't have to do this. This is just my little tip because I have sometimes done work on a chapter, marked a certain, particularly sometimes those personages of, of who Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, and I don't know which one it was referring to. And before I became really skilled at doing this process, um, I would mark things permanently with a really nice, bold, marker of some kind and then I'd be stuck with it right and then I couldn't and I try liquid white out and I tried all kinds of things it's just easier if if you make a copy ahead if you're interested in doing that so that's just another little tip 
Um, all right, now, one of the tools I love are these Micron pins. These are um, super duper fine tipped. They do not bleed through your page. You can write in your Bible and they don't bleed through to the other side. Because they're super fine tipped, you can make very small writings and in notes. You can get a lot of information in a small space on your thing. So these are one of the tools I love. Precept Ministries actually sells them on their website along with their book curriculums and, and such if you want. But you can buy them at almost any arts and crafts store like Michael's and places like that, okay? So that if so they're available. So it's a great pen if you're interested in uh, a really good pen set. Any pen set works, but you're going to be using your your fine tip markers, you're going to be using um, uh, colored pencils and then I recommend that particularly in overview time that you mostly just work with a regular lead pencil don't start marking in color right away start marking with just pencil and the reason because later you can add your color on it and make it permanent but if you do it with just a pencil the first time through then you can always erase when you realize you either don't need that information or it was you were looking at it incorrectly or whatever. So that's just another suggestion. Start with a pencil that you can erase, okay? Um, let's see. Um, all right. When you start doing your uh, list making, for those of you who have been doing this a long time, you already know the rules on this, right? What, what are you going to do when you're going to make a list on something? Tell me what not to do. There you go. Do not put it in your own words. Take it directly from the text and put it onto your list. When you get to the place where you're asked to make a list on Jesus and, it's, and, and, the, and the text gives you a point about him that he is, he is your great high priest, don't just put on there he is, the, he is a priest. Well, he's not just a priest. He is the great high priest. Why is that significant? It's different than just being a priest, isn't it? So it makes a huge difference. Sometimes we, we like to translate things into our own wording. And in some Bible studies, they actually encourage that a lot, and they want you to put in your own wording so that they can see whether or not you're really comprehending something, right? And they also want you to make it more personal to yourself as for, for application. But in inductive Bible study, you do not do that. You do just the opposite. You go, what exactly does it say on the, on the page? You want to move that directly to your list making and not change the wording up as much as is possible. So this is a good reminder to remind you guys of that little thing because it can make a profound difference in your interpretation if you change the wording of, of the text up, okay? So just keep that in mind. When you start your list making, make sure that it's word for word. Um, now, resources. Uh, Lois has a whole lot of different resources on a sheet that she will send out, right, Lois? Um, I'm going to show you two things that you can be looking for. Number one, there's going to be a, a list that she'll send out about resources. I think I cut and paste this one from your last one. But she's going to show you some places online where you can go to find um, uh, commentaries. You can find the text itself, the scripture text itself. You can find uh, study tools like your exhaustive concordance and your... Um, 
like your Vines dictionaries, that kind of stuff. So you can do your Hebrew and Greek word studies online. So she's going to send you a list of information of how to find those, okay? And that will be helpful to you because once you get familiar with one particular site that, you're, that you like a lot, then you'll use it over and over, and then it'll become like your friend. And until then, it's, it's going to be a struggle. It's the, so much easier online than to do the book because I did the book. And, oh, yeah. And I had another gal that I worked the other night with that came over. She did not like working online. When I showed her through in the book, she says, this is so much easier. And she was just so happy to have the books. So it just, it's personality and it's how you like, it's, everybody's different. So you find what works for you and it's good, okay? It, there is no right and wrong in this. It's just, well, there is. But, but, but the tools that you use does not matter. You find the tools that you like and then, and then you're good. But what matters is, is that you do the process correctly. Oh, yes, that is another thing. Yeah, and I had that clear at the very end of my thing here to tell you about. But, yes, um, this morning's classes, these morning classes, as most of you guys already know this, they are recorded. Uh, the great thing about that is if you miss a class, you can always, once uh, Lois has sent out my lesson uh, at the end of Mondays, or usually on Tuesdays we do that, um, then you can go online and listen to what we have talked about in class and follow on your chart that's been sent to you. And then you can at least catch up with what we've done. It may not be perfect. Have any of you ever done that in this room? Have you? How, how do you, did it work good for you, Linda? Yes, it's not the same. No, it is not the same. But for one thing, you can't really hear as much what the students are saying. And that makes it to be a little challenging because you're, only hearing what I have to say about what they just said. <laughs> but I try really hard to keep it in mind when I'm writing on the board and when I'm having discussion that it's being recorded and really only my voice is being picked up. So I, sometimes I will repeat things that you've said, and it's, not, it's because I'm trying to help the people who will be listening. Um, okay, so in these inductive resources will come through email to you so you'll have online resources it'll tell you where we are as far as online at precept.org um, or whatever it is it's the AO Austin Oaks Church AOC.org I think is what it's called and it's their podcast and it's where I will be recorded and you can hear our lessons if you want to do that the other thing that's great is if you have to go on vacation or go on a work venture or something like that, you can catch up if you need to. <laughs> well, that should be it. A oh, AOCprecepts.podbean.com. That's what it is. AOCprecepts.podbean bean.com it'll come on your sheet of information okay so you'll get that later uh, the other thing that will come to you that will be of help for those of you particularly who are new to this is a list of um, possible ways to mark keywords some people have that's their biggest challenge they're you know you're told okay now mark mark Jesus uh, as a keyword, right? And you're going to mark it. It's, a, it's part of the tool system of, of, 
uh, getting prepared to do your work. And most people say, well, but how do I mark him? What does that mean to mark him, right? And so this particular sheet that she will send out, this came through Precept Ministries, and I don't know who the brilliant person was that spent all this time doing this, but somebody did. And they gave you some ideas of ways that you could mark keywords and um, you don't have to dream them up yourself that way. Or you can dream them up yourself, which is use your own imagination if you'd like to. But this will give you some ideas for how to make keyword markings, okay? Um, I think I just mentioned about the New American Standard. We use New American Standard Bible in here. In the, it, on that observation worksheet that we just talked about, it is in the New American Standard Bible translation. Does anybody know why we use that translation? Very good. That is the, exactly the reason. We, would we want to, if it, at all possible, get something as close to the original language as possible. And when you get a word-for-word -word translation, that is going to accomplish the best accurate understanding as is possible. However, it's still not enough, is it? Which is why we then do word studies to expound our understanding on certain words to get a little bit better understanding of it. But when you get into other kinds of Bibles like uh, the NIV, which, by the way, I love the NIV. I used to have one, and I used it all the time when I was a young believer. But it's a phrase-by-phrase -phrase translation. It is not a word-for-word -word translation. It's not a bad translation. It's just not as accurate as the New American Standard Bible. Uh, another one that would be really good would be King James Bible. Everybody knows that, but how many of us can read King James and really understand it these days? The New King James is pretty good. It, okay, that would be the next one. So then there's the New King James. And then there's one more that Precept has come out. Do you guys know what it is? The ESV, the English Standard Version. That's another one. Now, Precept is beginning to um, make some of our curriculum even available in the English Standard Version for those who really want to do that. But I can tell you this. When we are having discussion in this classroom, and we've got 35 or 40 students or however many we have at any given moment, if we are all talking off of the same translation, it will simplify things so much for all of us. So when you all bring your personal Bibles and you start giving me an answer from your Bible and it's not the same as what we are all reading out of, it gets confusing. And then I have to say, well, go back and give it to me out of the other translation so I can, everybody matches. The point is we want uniformity as much as possible, right? It, it just really helps to simplify and keep things simple. Um, so let's try to do that. New American Standard Bible is what we are using. It's what is in your curriculum. So that's what we're going to use. And we're going to use it because, not because it's the only one, but just because we want uniformity and it's the one that Precept has chosen. Um, all right. So the only other thing I really have to say, and we're going to be done with this, believe it or not, is if you have questions, do call me. Um, we are leaving my compadre and I on a quilt retreat this week. We leave on Thursday. We'll be gone for a week. Yay, quilting. Nonstop. 
24 hours. It's confusing. But I will take with me on my trip my workbook. I will take my how-to study book with me, and I will have my phone with me. And if you have any questions this weekend doing your homework, and you, you do get two weeks to do it, but if you want to call and ask me a question, please do. I, my phone will be with me, and I can switch gears into precept in a heartbeat. Okay, it's my first love, even though I do love my quilting, but I love my precept much more, truly. And I would rather sit and have a Bible discussion any day of the week. I'd rather talk the Bible than do a quilt, anything. <laughs> so my priority is there, and you can call me at any time. Okay, it usually comes up with, within the week. Like, we, we record on Monday mornings. I send her my notes on Tuesday. And usually by Tuesday or Wednesday is when they hope to have it up. Tuesday, yeah, so you can tell them Tuesday or Wednesday. There's really nothing to send out today. So, not real, unless you want me to, Margaret, if, you know, what I've just talked about as far as instructions and the structure and what we've done, but otherwise they can go on and listen to it and it'll be up in a day or two. Otherwise, I mean, I did make myself a chart to follow just because that's become such a habit to me that that's how I think. But it really, it is. This how to study your Bible is exactly what your new gals need. If they will read chapter one and two, and that's really all they need. Oh, good. Oh, good. They do. They well. Then that's a nice little help. So you guys, if you want a cheater, you can go in, read your how-to stuff. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Written by man. Oh, good. Teacher, so. That's right. So I, did what you said I didn't see it in there. Page 36, the bottom paragraph. Is that Hebrews chapter 20, verses 30 and 31? Okay. In my book, it says it in the last paragraph. Uh, to look at another example, the book it. of Hebrews is repeated emphasis that Jesus is our. Great high priest. Wow. Well, read your how-to study book, and you'll have your book theme already figured out for you. No, no, don't do it. Actually, <laughs> actually, you're right. You're right. But you know, here now. Here's what's interesting. Now, actually. What Craig just kind of alluded to here is really important. Just because precept selects a key word, or a key verse, rather, for a book, does not mean that it is the only possibility, okay? You may not agree with it. Here's what's going to happen, though. Together, when we come back and start discussing chapter 1, or, or the overview, rather, which is all the chapters, 1 through 13, we are going to pull together as many primary points about the major subject. Who's the major subject? Jesus. And we are then, from the list that we make up here together, we're going to come to see what gets repeated the most. 
and you will see pretty quickly that it, that it's Jesus and it's some specific point about Jesus that's most uh, elaborated on. Once that is established, then you can pick any book you want or any verse you want in the whole 13 chapters that states that most clearly to you, right? And that can be your, your key theme verse for the book. Um, I do think that there may be, though, and you need to keep your mind open, to allow other people to iron sharpen iron and say, I'm going to challenge you on that. I don't think that one does it effectively, and this is why. Or, yes, I really like the verse that you picked. I think it's better than this one because, and then they'll explain why. But it's going to be an educated decision on what you want to pick for a key verse for your, your book on the whole for, to represent the major theme. What is the author's major purpose for rising? Why is he saying all these things that he's saying in all 13 chapters? But we're going to come together on it by it doing a list. It didn't, say, it didn't say it was. It said could. could be. That's right. And we'll come to see why we think that's correct or not correct once we do our list together. And we will all see whether it's it good or not. Oh, there you go, Margaret. You did good. You're a good girl. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You're right. You did very good. That's good. And we'll give, we'll give you a pass on it. And not only that, but I still encourage everyone to read chapters one and two anyway, because you need the rest of the information in there, okay? <laughs> so, all right. Any, do we have any questions at this point, in particular from our new gals? Do we have any questions about what we're doing and where we're going and how this all runs? Please do not hesitate to call me if you need me. My name and phone number and such will go out. My cell phone number will go out when she sends out the information. And so I will have my cell on me when I'm away at this retreat. You can call me. Yes, Lisa. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's my thing to you is, is there's probably something in here, so look through your book first. That's right. That's exactly right, Lisa. And that is one of the reasons I do really love to do the 101 classes for newcomers if they're not familiar with the with the um, the prep, the pup study, how, you know how it's put together, and what are all its pieces, and and all the tools. I mean, there's lots of helpful tools that make it simpler if you just know about it. But even somebody telling you that you need colored pencils and fine tip markers that that's a, a helpful thing for somebody to tell you up front. Otherwise, you're like. You're using your ink pen, which is what you're used to having done in other Bible studies, and then everything looks alike on your page. Well, that doesn't work for inductive Bible study. Yes? This is in our builder's room. This is in our builder's room. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so you have in page 131 in your appendix 
how to do a chapter study, let's get started. Now, that's how to do a chapter study, so that won't be until lesson three, okay? But that is in there again. That's nice. So that what she's doing is she's helping those who don't purchase the how-to study book. I can tell you this how-to study book is worth all, what is it, $11 now? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's worth every penny because... I use this over and over and over and over. You, if, you know, it also has other things besides just the basics, which is what that one does. It gives you just a tiny bit. But this one goes into detail on each of the possible things that might come up in different kinds of studies you'll do. So, Also, if, in case anyone is interested, I do have a doctrinal statement from Precept Ministries about what they stand on doctrinally. Because I, I mentioned that earlier today in our, when we first started, that how important it is to check out the people that you're listening to, that you're sitting under, that you're, you know, like if you listen on the radio or, or YouTube or whatever. Uh, you want to know where they're coming from. Well, Precept Ministries has a doctrinal statement also. And so I have that doctrinal statement here if anyone is interested in looking at it to see what, what they hold to. But one of the, I would say, the most essential one to me as far as um, that, that comes up over and over is the inerrancy of the Word of God. The, we believe that the Word of God, every word of it is God-breathed, it's God-spoken, it's God-preserved and protected in carried down through the ages, and therefore, it is the final authority on all things. Um, some friends and I, through the, the um, vacation time that we just had, we did a little bit of uh, church history research. One of the things we came to conclude at the end was, um, if, if you do a timeline, you got your church beginning here, and as the generations and years and years pass, problems start developing. Why do they start developing? Because men leave the foundational word of God, the, the God-breathed word of, uh, that God has given to us, and they started give, giving their own uh, viewpoints on how, how they were going to apply that in practical life. And then those men's words and writings became doctrine for churches. And then different churches developed out of that. So uh, the further you come down the timeline away from the the original apostles and those who were uh, taught immediately from the apostles after that at about 300 and so forth on ID on down you start getting things messed up a bit okay so doctrinal statements help us to know who we're sitting under so I have that if you are interested in looking at that it is online precept ministries yes Absolutely. It is online. It's out there for anybody to see anywhere at any time. But sometimes, you know, our group is a mix of people from a lot of different denominations. We don't, you know, we don't all come from the same church. We're not all from this church. And so understanding that uh, precept holds to this particular statement for their doctrine, it might be helpful to you to know. Okay. So there's that available also. All right. I think we've done it. Is there anything else that, any questions or any other inputs? Thank you so much for helping me with some of those extra points, too. No? All right. Well, I, I'm excited to get started into Hebrews. I can't wait to see what the Lord will teach us this week. You all have a great week.